am Trudy Morgan Cole, and once again, it's time for your book club and podcast form, Shelf Esteem. I'm going to be joined today by two avid readers, arts administrator Nicole Boggan and journalist Andrew Sampson, who are friends, members of the same book club, and turn out to read a lot of the same books. So they and I had plenty to talk about, and as always, we jumped into the discussion by me asking, what have you been reading lately that's really leaving a big impact on you? Um, I've been doing a lot of research on the 80s and the AIDS crisis, um, some of the ways that people responded to what was a really awful, awful period. Um, I just read, well, I reread it for the second time, this book called The Gentrification of the Mind, uh, okay. Witness to a Lost Imagination, mm-hmm. and that's by Sarah Schulman. She's a playwright, a novelist, and an academic who lives in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, what I really like about this book is the book came out, I think, a couple of years ago, and it really sort of contextualized, like, what happened to all the great artists, uh, musicians, writers, thinkers, that, you know, their lives were sh- cut way short. A generation of gay men died, and, you know, most of them died by 93, 94. They were only, like, from anywhere from 25 to 35, a lot of them. And because they died then a lot of their contributions to the world, to the creative arts, they just they got forgotten. Yeah. So it's a really good book, uh-huh. and that's not the only thing it talks about. Uh, but I just think it's it's really interesting to look at. You know, this is this was a huge thing for people. People often compare it to, like, the Vietnam War or something, yeah. because a lot of people, the people that survived this period, they're left with immense trauma. Uh-huh. And there are so many people that you almost can't name all the people that died during yeah. it. And and it's, I mean, it's not been forgotten, but I think it's not remembered. Like in, in what I want to say, your generation, because you guys are obviously both much younger than me. And for me, it was something that was happening while I was a young adult. But of course, as like straight girl in Newfoundland, it was something that was happening to other people far away, and and I didn't realize a lot of the impact until until later. And now I feel like there are kids growing up who don't know these stories. So yeah, that sounds like a really important book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? You said you've been doing some research. What are there any others kind of um, along that line? That what others? Uh, yeah, there there is. Um, I have read How to Survive a Plague, mm-hmm. um, which is by David France. It's also a documentary on the same name. Right. And it's flawed in some ways, but it's it's all about how ACT UP got together right. and how they lobbied pharmaceutical companies, the United States government, the FDA, to work faster. Because mm-hmm. for a very long time, nobody was even talking about it. It took Ronald Reagan like five years after the crisis yeah. first started to even say the word AIDS. So it's yeah. all about, you know, it's kind of like a good thing to read for anyone that's involved in any form of activism because yeah. it shows what can be accomplished when people stand together. Yeah. Um, so I read that. There's <laughs> another one book called Hold Tight Gently by Martin Duberman, mm-hmm. which examines two... Uh, men, uh, Michael Callan, who's white, and Essex Hample, who is black, and Mm -hmm. their experiences in that exact time period as two men that are HIV positive. And that's a really interesting book because it also, like, 
it contrasts like the experience for a white man with HIV. It was naturally uh-huh. in some ways very different for somebody in the black community with right, HIV, yeah. um, which a lot of these books like How to Survive a Plague does not really focus on diversity at all. It's very, I don't want to say whitewash, but it kind, it kind of is. Like it yeah. only looks at um, like, I heard Sarah Schulman actually talk about this book in this documentary she, she said that people she knows call it the seven white men who saved the world <laughs> um that's interesting because a lot of the people that did help were white middle to upper class men but of course there were so many more people that yeah. were involved in that fight uh-huh. and i don't want to say i enjoyed these books yeah enjoy but, is probably not the right word but yeah but that that's way. that's kind of been where my head has been at a little yeah, bit for sure yeah. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. You could be going in a completely different yeah. direction, and that's good. I guess, like, thinking, I guess, of larger topics, um, what I've been really interested in lately is, um, I guess, literature about addiction. Okay. So the thing that kind of started with that was probably Drinking by Caroline Knapp, Drinking a Love Story by Caroline Knapp. Oh, right. Um, I think it's one of the best memoirs I've ever read. Uh-huh. Um, I did read that a while ago. Um, I'm kind of working through Leslie Jameson's uh, book. I forget the... Is it The Recovering? Yeah, yeah. The Recovering. Uh, it's really dense, so it's kind of taking me a while, and it's really intense subject matter, so sometimes I need to tap out. Uh-huh. Um, but I really enjoy that, too, and the way that she kind of um, gives a lot of like historical uh, context uh-huh. to um, the whole addiction memoir genre is uh-huh. really interesting. Um, and recently I read Essays and Fictions by Brad Phillips. <laughs> um, Essays and Fictions, which is not necessarily a straightforward, I guess, memoir about addiction. And it is really interesting because he kind of blurs fiction and essay in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really hard to, and, I, and that's kind of part of his art practice too, or what I've um, read of his art practice is that a lot of times he kind of plays with the idea of like um, who he is. So he'll like with his like uh, visual art um, exhibitions, he'll often give like a fake bio. So oh, it's yeah. really it's really interesting. It's really hard to kind of ascertain what is um, like memoir or uh-huh. you know in the essays what is truth mm-hmm. and what is fiction. But he writes a lot about. Um, addiction to opioids and mm-hmm. particularly um, prescription opioids and chronic pain mm-hmm. in that in those essays. So that's what I've read recently and what I'm really interested in. I don't know if I want to say I enjoy them yeah. <laughs> like Andrew. Again, but kind of deeper subjects. Yeah. yeah. So enjoy is not always the right word, but yeah, yeah. I yeah. I really I'm really fascinated mm-hmm. by uh, writing about addiction. Yeah. And all kinds of addiction, too, not necessarily specifically to a certain substance, but just across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you both more sort of nonfiction readers than fiction, or... Because mm-hmm. we, we jumped in talking about nonfiction, yeah. but... Uh, usually, no. I'm yeah. usually the other way around. Like, I read so much fiction to the uh-huh. point where I sometimes have to be like, oh, no, you have to, like, you have to read something that's true yeah you can't you can't just continue to read these stories (laughs) um but i guess recently i've been doing that just because i've been doing all this research right but uh yeah i read a lot of fiction Mm -hmm. i don't know 
I would say that I probably read more so nonfiction. Yeah. I really I really do like reading like um, I guess collections of essays mm-hmm. probably is what I read more than anything else. I do like fiction, but uh-huh. um, again, I feel like even then the fiction that I do read is definitely very like often reads <laughs> like like memoir, I guess. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So that's what I'm what I'm interested in. Would either of you say, like I often ask people, what's a book, you know, not just recently, but sort of looking over your, your, your lifetime of reading, whatever, what's a book that's had a big influence on you? Is there, is there a book or a couple of books that, that you would say kind of stand out as this book helped make me who I am? That's a big one. Um, <laughs> I think, I think there's probably a few. I think I was, um, I was thinking about that in terms of like um, things that have shaped my taste in reading. Right. And, um, I guess, hmm. uh, more, most recently, like I said before, Caroline Knapp's Drinking a Love Story has had a huge impact on me, I think, over the past few years. I think I read it probably a few years ago now. Mm -hmm. But, um, that's really had a lasting impact on me personally over the past few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I always come back to the bell jar. I know that's a very, probably, like, very corny, stereotypical. <laughs> it is common, I think, for yeah. a lot of people, but, but I don't think corny or stereotypical yeah. at all. Yeah, I guess looking at the, it, that question as in terms of what shaped my uh, taste in literature, uh-huh. there would probably be the bell jar. Um, and honestly, probably, like, my the things that I'm interested in reading um, like mental health and things like that. Cause I guess addiction is sort of like a kind of, that's a huge part of it too. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so I would say that that's probably been a huge influence. Caroline Knapp, I think absolutely. Um, it's really sad that she passed away cause I'd love to read more of her yeah. writing, but she yeah. actually passed away from cancer shortly after she wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's had a really big impact on me and like, I guess my relationship to substances as well. So I really, um, I really treasure that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't read that. I've heard of it and I think I've picked it up and looked at it, but I haven't, I haven't read that one, but it's, it's one that I hear of a lot. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I really would recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's heavy, but it's yeah. really, it's really great. She has an amazing way with words. Mm-hmm. What about you, Andrew, when you think about books that have been influential on you? Um, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to think about. Obviously, when I was a kid, I was really into, like, <laughs> I was really into Harry Potter. And uh-huh. I was really into a series of unfortunate events and those books about owls. And I was into these series like that. Oh, yeah. But, I remember the owl books. My kids had the owl books. Yeah, were they were in, huge. Were Silverwing? Yeah. Or was Kenneth it no, those are the Guard, Guardians of Gahul? Was that the ones? No, it was like there was like Sunwing, Silverwing. Those were about bats, I think. Those, oh. Yeah, those yeah. were bats. But yeah, there was Evidently, the <laughs> I didn't read, remember much about them. We books about winged creatures. Yeah, I was really into books about owls. <laughs> there was a whole series about owls. Yeah, uh, there was. The so, yeah. anyways, you can call them. <laughs> um, Got a chance. <laughs> I, uh,. I guess books that started to shape me, I just remember when I was in high school or maybe, no, I would have been in university. I read uh, this book, uh, The Mysteries of Pittsburgh by Michael Chabon. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, And so this book is about this guy. He's finishing college. His dad is a gangster um, who doesn't live in town, Uh uh, but often periodically visits, I believe. And uh, 
he finds himself torn this summer. He's spending all summer working in a bookstore, and he finds himself torn between this woman with, like, pink hair, I think. She's a total, like, manic pixie dream girl. Her name's mm-hmm. Flox Lombardi. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, um, and this, uh, this man, uh, Arthur. I think his name's Arthur. And, uh... It's interesting because it's like he's dating this woman, but then he like meets this friend and he like falls in love with this guy suddenly. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whirlwind summer. It's like one of those. And it, it's it's really interesting. And like, I don't think they needed the dad that was a gangster plot of it all. But, you know, it has a little bit of dramatic stakes, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But that was one of the first books that I read that uh, had any like explicit queerness in it. Uh-huh. And that was really revelatory for me. I was like, oh, you can you can do that in a book. And not only yeah. can you do that in a book, you can do that in a book that's, like, really popular and successful. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I ended up reading, like, everything that was kind of, like, half gay. I read, like, uh, Giovanni's Room by Jim Baldwin, uh-huh. which is a really good book. I mean, that guy's going places, you know? <laughs> uh, then I read, yeah, I read Giovanni's Room. I read... Call Me By Your Name, which was a really good book. Uh-huh. Um, one of the most interesting, like, I know it was made into a movie, and now it's, like, this whole, like, thing. But when I read the book, there was no movie. Yeah. And it just captures so well this feeling of, like, desire. And the whole book is, like, will this happen? Is this all in the guy's head? What's uh-huh. even going on? And I thought it was, like, I just, like, had to, like, throw it across the room sometimes. Cause it was, like, so unbearable. But oh, yeah. I thought it was really, like, the way that it captured that was really cool. Um, beyond that, yeah, I like Nicole. I read a lot of essay collections. Uh-huh. Um, what are some ones I liked? I like Too Much Not the Mo- and Not the Mood by Durga Chubos. Mm-hmm. I really liked the way she worked her essays. Sometimes they can be really focused, but other times they can just be, like, she just starts writing and then she makes all these comparisons to like a movie she watched one time or maybe uh-huh. a, a song that reminds her of one of her friends. And I thought like that way of linking things was really appealing to me. But now, of course, I am doing that and I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm <laughs> right for the next. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love some of the essays. I haven't actually read all of that um, book, but I really love that one by Jerry Chubos. I feel like we have similar tastes. Oh, yeah. We read the same things. Yeah. The time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I feel like people that are, like, in our, like, demographic, so to say, we're all kind of circling around the same types of books Same books, yeah. I can't believe we haven't mentioned Sally Rooney yet, but it's, it's right. not very long into yeah, it. Yeah, Sally. <laughs> well, it's time. <laughs> not that she didn't come up on, I think, the very last episode of this podcast, but that's our second last. But yeah, no. Sally Rooney, whew, she's so good. Yeah. Um, and her books have been like the type of books that like, you know, you pass around. You're like, yes. I just read this mm-hmm. book. Like, you need to read this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's the same age as us, uh-huh. more or less. She's, I'm 27. I think she's 28, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully that I'm still a little younger than her. Because she's, uh, <laughs> so you just have to give yourself another year to yeah. become yeah. Yeah, her yeah, level of fame? Yeah. The boat has um, sailed for me, unfortunately. I'm a couple of years older than her, so... <laughs> But what what I like about her books is that they, like, they really capture, like, the way people are 
with their relationships. Like everyone is always kind of like second guessing what they're thinking or what they mm-hmm. said in a certain moment. Mm-hmm. And they're discussing like the things that separate them, like class, politics. Yeah, I um, I still think about like I think recently she published a story. Was it in the New Yorker? Yes. Yeah, yeah and it was. I can't stop thinking about it. Like it was so good. I forget the title of it because apparently I'm really bad at authors and titles, which is great to be. <laughs> well, to be on this podcast. I, I always I always publish show notes with the uh, everything that was mentioned. Amazing. In the episode, <laughs> so if somebody like couldn't remember the title of something, we'll look it up afterwards, and it'll be in For the show sure. notes. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that short story was so good. I think that she really. Like, I won't ruin it or anything if anyone wants to read it, but, like, I think she captures so well, like, the tension and, like, the tension that comes from people trying to figure each other out in, like, an instance. Like, there's two characters where there's, I guess, like, at the climax of it. Um, It's just, like, this interaction where I feel like there's, like, a lot of anticipation on both sides and it just completely gets derailed and it's just, like, how and, like, why did that even happen? Like, because, I guess... People, I think that she kind of, like, captures really well people getting really in their own heads about um, their relationships with other people, too. I think we talked a bit about that at our book club. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I find it really, I find the way that she writes people our age to be really interesting and, like, relatable, for lack of a better term. And both of her books that are out, um, Conversations with Friends was her first novel. And there's normal people too, which it's not out here yet. Two days. Two days. Oh, yeah, really? two days. Oh, cool. I'm but uh, <laughs> I read it last year because I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't wait, and I ordered it from the UK. UK yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's hard to describe her books because they're like not really about too much. Like uh-huh. conversations mm-hmm. with friends is about. A, Two girls, they used to date, now they perform spoken word poetry with one another, and then they get kind of, like, enveloped into this world when they meet, like, this fancy uh, magazine editor and her rich boyfriend, and initially they're both all, like, above this, they're like, look at these bougie assholes, but then, of course, they become totally entranced with their lifestyle. One Mm -hmm. of them, the main character, whose POV the book is from Francis, who starts sleeping with the actor secretly and a lot of the conversation is done through email which is really interesting because uh-huh. the way they process it like you see the emails but then you also see like what's going through the emails yeah. mm-hmm. which i think is so much of our type because we're all communicating in like so many different yeah, mediums yeah. and if you're talking to somebody you kind of know what's up but when you're texting someone or you're emailing them you're always like does this sound weird is yeah, this like yeah. putting me is this too vulnerable or do i have to like pull back a little bit or how many explanation parts are amazing here yeah and i think that's really interesting because the relationship where you really see it develop like when they're not with you with each other mm-hmm. when they're like waiting for the next moment to meet up yeah mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of intoxicating even though you're like what are you doing why are you conducting this affair <laughs> yeah. with your friend's husband <laughs> It's funny. I feel like it's made me feel more understanding and compassionate of people, too. Like, reading her her writing, too. Just, like, on that particular subject, too. Because before, like, I feel like I having, like, really, like, intense moralistic stances on infidelity. Which, of course, is not okay. But, like, even, uh, like, reading, reading kind of, like... I, I don't know. I feel like she's really fair to her characters, I guess. Mm-hmm. And is kind of, like humanizes people a bit even if they're not doing such great things yeah because i mean all human beings are like extremely 
fallible. You yeah. Know? yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what great fiction should do is make you empathize with people even if they're doing things that you would normally disapprove of. Yeah, exactly. There's a great novel called The Bone People by Carrie Holm. She's a New Zealand writer, mm-hmm. and it's I've never been able to reread it. Uh, and it's a long time. It's an old book. It's a long time since I read it now. But there's a character in it who is physically abusive towards his adoptive son, mm-hmm. which is a person that you would, in my books, just absolutely write off. Like, mm-hmm. anybody hits a kid, I'm sorry, I have no further interest of in course, it. Of course, yeah. And yet, somehow... You, she never approves or gets the reader to approve of what he does, but she does get you to empathize with the character and mm-hmm. feel for him and understand why in his, you know, the way the brain he's locked into it makes sense to act like this. And to me, yeah. that's the most amazing thing when a writer can make you empathize with a character who's doing something that you think is horrible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kind of on that subject, recently we read um, The Mars Room, Oh, by yeah. Rachel Kushner too. That's another one that it I think has this been is the second time in a row somebody's mentioned it. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz around that. Yeah, yeah it's I really loved the Mars Room, um, and I think it's really similar in that sense where there is kind of like these big questions around like redemption and you like kind of introducing these characters and humanizing them, and then mm-hmm. you find out that they did something like absolutely unforgivable and like, you know. Um, yeah, I find I find works like that really interesting. So yeah, I should read that. The, right. What was it? The Bone People. Yeah, the Bone People. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it's it's probably still in print because it was a massive award winner, even though it yeah. was like more than twenty years ago that it came out. So it's probably still uh, in its amazing piece of writing. So yeah. you guys are in the same book club. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what kinds of things? Well, you've said a couple of things that your book, but like, how do you choose what to read? I'm, I'm fascinated by book oh, clubs because yeah. I don't belong to one, so I'm just. Uh. No I chose process. I chose the first couple, but then it was like you Andrew, you the first book I chose was like <laughs> it was this, did it not was, go over. It was this book called The Pisces by Melissa Broder. Uh-huh. And so it's all about a woman that essentially fucks a dolphin. Of course. Um, <laughs> as one does. As one does. And a lot of like really graphic, like human but he is a, a merman. He's a merman. He's not a dolphin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not almost an like a shape of water kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, very it, much. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not a dolphin. <laughs> it's, not it's a merman. It's not that bad. And so she's uh, this chronically depressed person with tons of sex and love addiction problems. She's been writing her thesis, her dissertation about Sappho for the past eight years. Mm-hmm. She's on the verge of getting expelled from her program because at a certain point they're like, you have to finish this dissertation. Yeah, yeah. So she moves to her sister's house, her sister who's away for the summer in, like, Long Beach, California or yeah. something. Either the Long Beach or Venice, I can't remember. Yeah, Ven- yeah, one of those places. And, yeah, she spends the summer there going to court-mandated sex and love addiction meetings and also falling for this merman that she can only meet at her beach in front of her house yeah is it also only at night do they have it's only at night yeah yeah Yeah, there's kind of i guess like a bit of a question if it was like real at the end kind of i think it was though intentionally yeah but uh it's funny so the first book club i like put out a feeler and i was like who wants to do a book club this summer Uh uh-huh free pizza the first first (laughs) meeting And, like, 30 people were, like, I'm in. Everyone was, like, I'm in for the book club. I'm in for the book club. Uh-huh. We, order, we ended up ordering, like, 17 copies of this book to Broken Books. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, 11 went to the first meeting. Now we get five at our book uh-huh. club. 
But you know, it's a good group. Yeah. It's yeah, and it's better to have a small group. It's a really good group. Really into it. And uh, yeah. yeah, the first meeting we actually, Melissa Broder, she actually Skyped in. To oh, wow. Our meeting. That's so oh, that's cool. So cool. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. And she's like a very interesting person. She runs the Twitter account So Sad Today. Oh, okay. I've probably seen, I may have seen tweets from her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's very, I feel like she has a lot of followers. And in, in a way, like, she actually, I find like books like that. Like, even if that wasn't my favorite book by her, like, I like Teresa Collection a little bit better, mm-hmm. but she really shows you that you can write whatever you want. Yeah. Even, oh, yeah, if, even yeah. if it's, like, hugely, it's not flattering to yourself, you know? Like, yeah, I found that yeah. was really interesting. Like, she's okay saying that she's, like, an emotional black hole uh-huh. and giving you the reasons why. Yeah. And... I don't know. There's something brave about that. Yeah, I think so too. Or just like visceral. I feel like that's probably the same thing that you got when you were reading essays and fictions. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I really like that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always hesitant to recommend some of those books to people because I feel like some people might be kind of put off by that. But I really enjoy it. Essays and fictions definitely is. Um, I think probably hard, hard and. A hard read in that sense um but yeah i really love melissa broder's writing um I, w- I didn't love the pisces but i really loved so sad today um yeah i what think pisces? i want to give it another try i also read it on a plane so mm. <laughs> oh i read so sad today on a plane <laughs> uh but it's interesting because i feel like the thing people want in their entertainment right now like the most is they want to be able to say like same they really love like this notion of what they're reading is relatable yeah yeah. and maybe that's why sally rooney is so popular even though i think she kind of transcends that yeah but like i don't necessarily i feel like that's kind of like a scourge in a way like the notion that what you're reading has to be relatable to your own situation yeah i think it can i think it can definitely close you off from a lot of like important experiences you should be like aware of and engage with but I'm totally, I definitely fall into that trap so much. Like, I feel like throughout my life, like, all of my favorite books and books that really resonated with me, like, resonated because I think on some level I was, like, same. You know what I mean? Like, I think right. about, like, things that, like, I I feel like my, my taste is so, like, corny and, like, stereotypical, I guess. But, like, I remember, like, reading, like, Franny and Zoe and, like, Catcher in the Rye even when I was in high school. And I was like, oh, my God. This is, like amazing yeah i've never felt so seen (laughs) but i still i still stand by i think franny and zoe is a really good book i'm never sure if it's franny and zooey or zoe it's one of those things that you read and don't hear people say out loud much so you're never sure is it kitty vidi or queedy (laughs) vidi it's quite a (laughs) vida team quite a vida yeah but i also know a lot of people who've named their cats after those characters like yeah multiple multiple people oh wow so anyways I but lived yeah. with a Margo once, and I'm like, was that named after Margo in the Royal Tenenbaums? <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, yeah. But it is interesting, because, I mean, to me, I feel like I'm always looking to read, to experience lives that are different from mine. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I already know what my life is like. Yeah. But I think you do want to find some point of connection, but I also want to know, of course, I read a ton of historical fiction, so a lot of it for me is like... I want to go to places and times I could never get to and, you know, mm-hmm. experience something completely different. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I find the thing with the relatability thing that I notice, or I kind of notice, is that, like, people have this 
maybe maybe it's true because like when you write a novel and it's like set in the same time period that we're living in people inevitably are like is this the author's life yeah, yeah absolutely sure. um, and i know like autofiction is really big right now mm-hmm. but i found it really interesting when we were reading the pisces mm-hmm. uh everyone that didn't like the book not everyone but it seemed like a lot of people that didn't like the book and there's some people that were really vocal about it they uh-huh. were like this book is like so like fat phobic it's so problematic mm-hmm. um it's like this woman is awful and it's like at a certain point it's like is the author awful or is the character awful yeah. you know mm-hmm. like and people like have trouble when they're reading and even this is a book about a woman that fucks a merman yeah it's like... uh, which is the ultimate in relatability <laughs> yeah <Of course. laughs> but I, I just thought it was interesting that people like couldn't look past that and then it's it's hard to say and then once we talked to the author it turned out that a lot of it was like kind of very from their own experiences yeah hmm. That's interesting. But I don't know, that whole notion that, like, what's in the text is automatically being endorsed by the author when I don't think it always is. Yeah, I don't think it is. I I I almost never assume it is. But I think it depends a lot on the way the author treats it, too. Like, are they showing a character having these, you know, horrible attitudes and not somehow standing in judgment of it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's why I think I enjoyed essays and fiction so much, because it is really hard to untangle truth in that and I think I I under I feel like oh you know that's definitely a book where a lot of people are going to be like okay this is 100% true like Mm. but it's kind of interesting because it opens with a short essay where there's like this very strange situation where like the narrator um goes to like a therapy and then it turns out like there it's just it's almost like lynchian (laughs) um and it feels like if it just feels too strange to be real, um, but he the way he describes this office, it's like very it's very odd. There's like these very odd characters there, and I think it it's just no way that it could be real. I think in the end it turns out that like he's looking at these photos in his therapist's office, and then he realizes he's in the photos because I think mm. there's like I think part of it that he gets hypnotized or something I'm not quite sure I have the worst memory yeah but it's it's it kind of opens with this um this essay where it's like okay I'm just this just seems like it must be a fiction so it kind of makes you question all the rest of the things that are I guess like less fantastical and strange mm-hmm. like than this this man ending up meet like doing all these things with all these people and not remembering because he was hypnotized mm. it yeah anyways um not very good at explaining things oh, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> but um yeah uh all that to say i feel like it's there's a real danger there especially when people are writing in first person mm. yes yeah and yeah people draw that parallel between author and character even if it's fiction yeah. absolutely yeah yeah and kind of on that thing of you know, relatable and, and lives that seem really close to the one you're living. Mm-hmm. Um, do either of you guys read much in the way of local authors, local fiction, is there any, or nonfiction for that matter? Is there anything? Yeah, I, yeah. I do. Um, I uh, What am I reading right now? I'm reading uh, Terry Doyle's oh, yeah. uh, short story collection. Uh-huh. I'm about, like, 90 pages into it. Uh-huh. Um, and I enjoy it, you know, it feels yeah. very recognizable. Oh, it's very rooted in, in very like, rooted St. In towns, towns and even, yeah. you know, to me, a lot of it even is very 
Rabbit Town, very rooted in my part of St. John, yeah. in Center City. Well, he lives yeah. in Rabbit Town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something nice about that, though, kind of like seeing shouldn't say contempor- that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something nice about seeing kind of contemporary St. John's. Well, I mean, like, again, I really do fall into that trap of liking to see myself represented in what I'm reading yeah. and be- relating to things. Like, it's really... I know, I know <laughs> I should expand a bit, but I really do enjoy seeing, like, contemporary St. John's, especially mm-hmm. in in the way that I understand it and see it. Yeah. And um, I think uh, Eva Crocker's book did that really Barreling well. Barreling Forward, Barreling yeah. Barreling Forward. Yeah. Um, I'm also, full disclosure, I'm a friend of Eva, so, <laughs> so of course I would kind of, like, yeah. recognize. Yeah. I, I, but I find I take that recognition thing almost too far sometimes with local books. Like in yeah. Lisa Moore's latest story collection, mm-hmm. I was reading a book where it was de- reading a st- one of the stories where it describes the character leaving her place of work and waiting at a bus stop. And I was like, wait now, where is that bus stop relative to the place where she had? I'm like, no, it's fiction. Like, she could have moved the bus stop. It's so like, hard. I know. It's really hard not to picture, you know, yeah. the neighborhood, the street, whatever. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, I remember the story in that, in Something for Everyone. Something for Everyone, yeah. Um, where it's set in the shoe store in the mall. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's sports expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was the same way with this. I can't remember which of the stories it yeah. was now, but where the girl works at Shoppers and she leaves and goes to Buffalo. I'm like, I think that's my Shoppers, but that's not where the bus stop is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you yeah. can take that relatability thing a little too far oh, with yeah. local writing, but it, it is cool. Yeah. It is interesting, like, Lisa's book, which, again, I've only read some of the stories, mm-hmm. it, it references a lot of things that are happening in the province. Like, oh, I think yeah. it, it references the fist plant fire in one yeah. of the stories. Yeah, it does. And Terry's book does that a little bit, too, where it references, there's, like, one story that references that cow that was left out in the cold, or the, another story that references the, spring, the Springdale pride stuff. Yes, yeah. And it, I think it's kind of interesting that, like, our authors are, like, including the stuff that actually didn't really happen very long ago mm-hmm. in their source story collections, mm-hmm. which I guess is a way of situating them in the world that we live in. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> this is, it's just... It is interesting. I'm like, does it need to have it do that? Like, us on the nose? Yeah, I don't know. It makes it feel very immediate. I wonder yes, how it will sure. read in... 10 or 20 years. I yeah, know. or... Um, it'll just feel like, it'll feel like an artifact of this time, I guess. Yeah, for sure, or what it would read like to people that aren't from this province, but I guess yeah. it probably just reads like fiction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, mm-hmm. I I have a pet peeve about people saying, well, you know, don't, if you're writing Newfoundland fiction or whatever, you know, don't write things that are too specific and too local because people won't know what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I read books from other parts of the world all the time. Of and I, I don't always get the references or know what this word means. My classic example is grits. Mm-hmm. In all these southern novels, people are reading grits, and I was easily 35 before I realized what grits were. Mm-hmm. I, like, saw a picture. I don't I still don't know if it were or was, because I don't even know if grits is singular or plural. Mm-hmm. But the picture I had in my head was completely different from the actual thing, but it didn't stop me reading and enjoying the fiction. Yeah, you know? yeah it's I mean, so minute, really. Yeah. A lot of those details, I mean... Yeah, like if I write about fish and brews, which I probably wouldn't because I don't like it, but if I did, you know, yeah, somebody reading that in some other part of the world is not necessarily going to know what that specific item is, but... Yeah. I feel like that's something that people do in, like, writing workshops a lot. They're like, huh, does everyone know what that means? But it's like, I don't know, I read books all the time, and, like, specificity is valuable. Like, I remember remember when I was in, like, university, I was reading Just Kids by Patti Smith, and... 
she's a very beautiful and eloquent writer, but like every five words, she'd be like, this reminds me of a Rimbaud poem or yeah. like Yeats. Or, and I'd yeah. be like, I don't know what these are, but yeah. it didn't really matter. Like no. it, yeah. it, that's something that I don't think takes away. It enhances yes, I to agree. the people yeah, that uh, benefit from it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take away usually. Yeah. I also like, I mean, I studied English and a lot of times when I see those little references to it kind of, I like, I Google it. I don't know. I don't yeah. like, I like to, especially when there's like, I guess like in, intertextual references and things yeah. like that. Like I, I like to, I like to research. It's kind of fun. I don't know. Not, maybe not for everyone if you're just casually reading something, but like. But yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, you read to learn more about the world mm-hmm. and it's especially like if i'm reading like an ebook it's so easy to look it up yeah, yeah just click on the thing and look yeah find yeah. out what it is yeah yeah i know people that like they creep they like they read with like a notebook or they do like they underline a lot like, oh wow yeah i don't think I, I can go back that far into it because i feel like i went through like a big phase of just like when I finished school, I was just like, I'm never reading again. Not really. <laughs> but, like, I didn't read a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I totally get that. Because, I mean, sometimes, like, when you do really get into the weeds of it, you get a better understanding mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I find I tend to skim over a lot of that stuff and just be like, well, that just gives a general flavor and I don't bother yeah. looking it up. But I know there are people who, like, you know, look up every unfamiliar term or literary allusion that they don't yes. get. And I'm sure it adds a lot of richness. Oh, yeah. I tend to just ride over the surface. <laughs> so that all means something. Well, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just creates yeah. an overall sense of place and time. That, mm-hmm. you know, what are books that, and I guess still coming back to that thing of, of you know, getting book recommendations or like what are books that you want to share with other people that you're like you must read this or I wish everyone could read this are there books that you push on people or that you wish you could I feel like I'm always pushing books on people yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wanted I'm, wanted. I, I'm trying to <laughs> it's hard for me to think right away I also have people, and I remember you saying that you didn't like this book on Twitter, but I also have people to read The Secret History if they're, like, in a reading slump or something because it's so exciting and dramatic and juicy. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're wanting to read something that will take over your life, it's very it's very enveloping. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what the problem is with me in The Secret History. Like, I didn't dislike it. Yeah. It's just, like, I read it, and I was like, okay, that's a book I read, yeah. and moved on. And then, not at the time, but, like, five years later, suddenly everyone was saying, oh, you have to read The Secret History. It's yeah. the most amazing book. I'm like, did I miss something? Because that didn't really leave a big impact. Yeah. So now I feel like maybe I just had a deficient reading experience with yeah. it. Because I know, like, so many people love that book and really find it. Yeah, like you said, en- enveloping, yeah. Who's it by? Uh, Donna Tartt. I thought so. I thought that. I've, I've heard of um, And I I feel like people are often like, oh, what's another book that I can get that will like give me the same feeling I had the first time I read The Secret History? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I, I passed around conversations with friends a lot mm-hmm. because it's a really short book. Mm-hmm. It's the type of book that you want to discuss, pe- discuss with people. And I find that's what I a lot of times why I share books not because because I want people to enjoy them like I did but also because books aren't a mass medium really yeah. and it's you're often kind of in your own little world when you're reading a book and you need to have someone to talk to you need to have someone to talk to about it so everyone was reading conversations with friends and then it'd be like did you finish it did you finish it what did you think of the ending was that the right choice should she have done that what do you think um yeah 
I, I shared the Ferrante books with people. Those oh, are really yeah. good. You like those? I, I just really like I them. just read the first one. Like I had never never read them, and then so many people again, so many people were recommending them. Yeah, I, I really liked them. Yeah. I like wolf them down. I definitely think it gets better after the first one if you yeah. were not totally. Like, I was not totally in on. Mm-hmm. Am I invested enough in these characters to want to read three more books about them? Yeah. So. I try the second one. Yeah. Um, we'll give it a try. I find a lot of people have trouble getting into it because they're so young at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to necessarily read a book about like girls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I didn't mind it too much, but I, I, I can get that. Yeah, I don't think that was it for me, because I read a lot of books about young girls and kind of coming-of-age books, and yeah. just, I don't know, it might be worth me giving the second book a try, because, yeah. again, so many people love that series. And uh, I don't know if it's, you know much about, like, the trajectory of the series, but, like... Not really, no. Elena becomes a, this writer, right? Uh-huh. And she writes like these like feminist tomes, and so it really gets into like this notion of like w- w- what should <laughs> I'm like I don't really know what I'm talking about, but like what should yeah. like a a woman be, and what's the right way to go about that? And then uh-huh. Lila, obviously, she's living a very different life because uh-huh. she didn't have those opportunities that Elena mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have such good cliffhangers at the end. The first one included. Yeah, yeah, that that one does. Um, a little, just, yeah. yeah. I'm like, a little life is one of the only books I don't like to recommend. Really? Now, why? Oh, have you read it? Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of opinions about a little life. A lot. <laughs> have you read a little life? I haven't. No. Oh. You should no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you well, not recommend it because you don't like it, or because you? It's so like massage, masochistic, masochistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, it didn't. People read it anyways. I was living with. Ali Duff, uh, she's a writer, yeah. musician in town, and I read it, and when I was reading it, I just, like, would, like, again, I'd, like, throw it across her, and I'd be like, oh, and i just look in such pain, she's like, what are you reading? <laughs> and, of course, the cover of the book is, like, that man crying. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> was like, it's it's yeah. almost torture porn in places. Yeah. Like so, like, yeah, the book is really dark. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have any light in it. The, the main character self-harms all the time. He's and it's quite graphically described, both that horrific and childhood. that he suffered as a child. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like relentless. It's mm-hmm. like a 700-page book, and yeah. it just doesn't let up. But at the same time, I really liked it. I found it super engrossing while I was reading it. When I finished it and took a step back, I was like, there were a lot of things about that that were really unrealistic, but, you know... Yeah, oh, well, this is weird. I mean, I didn't, yeah, it's weird, but also there were, I don't know, just elements of the way people organized their relationships and their... The way this one guy's tortured life became the complete focus for his entire group of friends. Like, you start off... It starts off with the premise that it's going to be about this four group of, of them, friends. Yeah. yeah, the four of them. And then you're, it really is all about Judah, and everybody's lives seem to be all about him. And it's like, surely these people were getting on. Like, they had their own other quite... But I guess... That's really interesting, because that was that was the part I liked about yeah. it, sort of. I liked, like, I thought, like, in the midst of this, like, horrible, relentless suffering, I thought it was really, really nice to see the length that his friends went. And I did to like that. Support too. him yeah. I just wasn't and sure love him and to be there for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I, I that's what I really liked about it, but 
I know what you mean. Like their stories sort of receded, but I think they yeah. were still happening. It's just he stopped. Yeah, and focusing I guess yeah, I guess the, the writer just keeps focusing on just this one character. But yeah, that was the, and that was a book that when I finished it, I so much wanted to talk to someone else who'd read it because I had so many opinions. And I, I also have weird feelings about like why that book is like the book that every gay man is reading. Like mm. it's like this like big popular book like Antony and Queer Eye has a shirt that says like Jude and JB and Willem and Malcolm. Oh yeah. Which makes me think he's a lot darker than he seems. <laughs> um, You'd have to be. And she's a really interesting person. She's the editor of the New York Times Style magazine. Oh really? Um, and like I think like it's all like coming from her head like I don't mm. think which is I'm glad because I don't want that yeah, to have been come... any part of her personal experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing that's weird about this that book that ties it back to what you were saying about all the research you're doing about the AIDS crisis is that the whole book exists in this ahistorical timelessness. Oh yeah, like 9/11 doesn't happen. 9/11 doesn't happen, the AIDS crisis doesn't happen. I, I mean it's in the like, if you go by the ages of the characters, they have to have lived through all those things. Yeah. But there's no sense of the outside world impinging on yeah. them in any way at all. It's, yeah, that's that, strange. It's did, like it's in a, a snow globe. Bubble. Did 9-11 happen on Sex and the City? I don't think so. Weird. Another fantasy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. So. Well, wait, when did it end? It definitely ended post 9-11. Yeah, I don't think that they mentioned it. There's it definitely didn't happen on Friends. I remember them. Yeah. I, I specifically remember them excluding 9/11 from Friends. Yeah, like not being like this is a light comedy. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting because I I feel like now. I don't think you. I don't know if you'd be able to do that now when there's such a huge. I mean, I guess you could. You can do what you want, but like, there's it like, seems like everything is so like. You know, like such a huge event like that. I. I just don't know. Like, I mean, especially seeing, like, all those things that are coming up now that are informed by, like, the Trump yeah. presidency. Sorry yeah. for even mentioning that on this. <laughs> but, like, oh, the name has know. been said before. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a weird, like, I've read a few books where, like, they're, like, sideways 9-11 novels. Mm-hmm. Like, where 9-11 ends up being, like, a big plot point in the end. Like, like give us an example. Um... My, My Year of Rest and yes. Relaxation by <laughs> Tessa Mossrag. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you heard of this no, one? No, I haven't heard of this one. No. Um, this is another one of those books oh. that I feel like everyone in like our like friend group has yes. been reading. Uh-huh. It's about this woman who she's deeply depressed. She's an orphan. Her parents are dead. Um, she's pretty privileged. Yeah. Uh, she's like has a trust fund. She has a trust fund. Mm-hmm. She decides to take a year off. Mm-hmm. And the way she decides to take a year off is by spending the entire year asleep. So she has, like, this, like, doctor who just, like, prescribes her, like, all these drugs so she can remain, like, unconscious most of the time. And uh, (laughs) it's really funny and, like, dark. and Yeah. And, like, she, like, yeah, she basically, like, and she ends up doing, like, a lot of stuff while she's in these, like, drugged-out stupors. Yeah, that was, like, my favorite part of those. Like, I really wanted to almost, like, get into that more. But it's kind of cool that it didn't. Because it's, you're kind of in the same position that she is, where you're just, like, piecing together these these little things. Like, these photos or, like, these, like, um, like massive orders from, like, Victoria's Secret that she gets, like, <laughs> mailed to the house. Up. Yeah, that just starts so showing she, like, up. she, like, online shopping in her Yeah, just a lot of bizarre stuff, like, partying with this, like, very odd artist who kind of ends up helping her, you know, 
do like be able to like do this take this year off mm-hmm. um and I, she has her yeah. friend Rhea. oh poor Rhea. oh yeah anyway yeah anyways the, the book ends up being about 9 11 <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> sort it's, of it's yeah it's like the whole year she's taken off is like she starts in like september 2000 and then uh-huh. like all of a sudden, you, like, somebody's like, oh, I just got a job in the World Trade Center. You're like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, when that happened, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, maybe it, it's not like a trend, but uh, the book The Emperor's Children by Claire Massad, uh-huh. that book also, like, ends up being about 9-11, sort of. Uh-huh. In that, like, at the end of the book, it's just like, oh, this fucking earth-shattering event happens and then it forces like all these dramatic arcs to hit their like peak oh wow which is kind of funny like maybe it's like a 9-11 as dramatic device yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is the dramatic device of of i guess a whole generation so mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting the ways it shows up in in fiction or doesn't show up like as in a little life how or, long is a little life set over it's like one of those like Dickensian books, sort of. It's yeah, because I mean the the char- the main character is a kid when it starts, or at least in the flashback scenes, he's yeah. a kid, and he's probably like. He lives 50? to his sixties. Sixties. Okay. Gets, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's a long span of time, and yet, oh, this, I, I could go down such a rabbit hole. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Because he's using the internet as a kid. Right. On the computer of the guy who's like abducted him or whatever, um, uh, he's accessing the internet. Which means, if he's if the story would have to go forward into the future, like yeah, the, the, you have to accept that. I know, I know. That part is really hard for me to accept <laughs> because I'm so into history and things yeah. being tied to specific events and what was you know what was happening in the world at this time that. I, I was really driven nuts by trying to figure out when that book was happening and, and why it was it seemed so untethered from, from what I thought of as the real world. But, yeah, that was probably just something I needed to get over. <laughs> I also, I find it really interesting oh. that a lot of times I identify with, like, characters that are nothing like me. I don't know mm. if that's, like, identifying with someone necessarily. But, like, um, reading, ugh, let me think. Like, I guess The Mars Room, I felt like... I, I guess that's more of an empathize, though. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Did you read The Idiot by um, Elif Batuman? Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite books, and, like, such a funny book. It's about this girl who gets into Harvard, and she's, like, uh, and it's 1995, and email just gets invented, and she... She, like, starts emailing her classmate all the time, Ivan, and she studies Russian. And just, I love this character so much. She, just, like, the way she sees the world is so strange. It's like she's an alien and she just arrived. And she, uh, just the way she thinks of everything. Like, I remember there's this line in the book, and she's like, before now, I never had to consider the Beatles. Why did, I just like, why are the Beatles always trying to get girls to drive their car? <laughs> And, like, I don't know, that's horrible <laughs> paraphrasing. But uh, just, like, there's a lot of, like, lines I remember, like, highlighting in the book because just the way she thinks of the world is so funny. Has and, she like, lived, like, a bizarrely sheltered life, or...? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, and I think she's just kind of a weirdo. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fun. It's always interesting in fiction, that kind of outsider view. But she has, like, this intense curiosity as well. So she's always, like, 
thinking about things like uh-huh. like where does the desk come from you know like yeah. things that other people just would gloss over yeah. and not think about yeah. because you can't be thinking about those things all the time because it's no way to live yeah you have to just accept certain things as given but then if somebody didn't how yeah. the world would be yeah yeah um right now i'm reading the new me um oh my god i'm so terrible i forgot about there thank you um <laughs> And I, as much as I hate it, sometimes I feel like I'm reading that and it's like, that's a thought that I would have. So basically I'm, I'm still working through it. So I don't know what the end is, but it's about this woman who's working this, like, I guess she, she works for like a temp agency and she's placed at this place, this, um, this like design house, I guess. I think it might be a interior design place. And, um, she's just very like misanthropic and like negative, I guess. Um... But sometimes, like, some of the things that she, like, it kind of, like, working this, like, sort of mundane, just, like, whatever job that she, like, doesn't care about. Uh-huh. Um, it's just interesting to kind of see how she talks about it sometimes and just these very bizarre, like, I wish I could, like, get on this person's desk and, like, start breaking things and things <laughs> like that because she's so frustrated with the situation that she's in. Anyways, um, it's very funny. I really like it. But, cool. Yeah. I, I unfortunately feel like I identify with characters like that sometimes. I mean, yeah. That should be more positive, maybe. <laughs> but, like, positivity is overrated. I guess so. Positivity I mean, is overrated. It's not, but I mean, like, uh, unearned optimism. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's like, open your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm an optimist. Maybe I am. You have to be delusional to want to be successful in some ways. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep thought to end on, but I don't want to, uh, before I end, I want to ask, do you still, uh, Andrew, have the, do you still doing your uh, book newsletter about books, which is how I first started talking yeah, to you about um, books? Yeah, I am. I hope to revive it. It's uh-huh. been kind of like a little bit dormant as I got like a lot busier with work and some other stuff I'm working on but I really hope to because it's really enjoyable to do I think maybe I'll have to like reevaluate I was doing it every week which was maybe too much pressure a bit a bit too much pressure some but I would like to do it and then I also had this really weird reading slump in February where I was only reading like halfway through a book and then I put it down Mm -hmm. so I'm never gonna finish Middlesex I don't think um (laughs) I liked it though that's like me in every but yeah I hope that I I hope that I returned to it because it was a good, a good outlet. Yeah. Well, I found it really interesting. And like I said, that was how we started talking about books. Yeah. I've been, I've been keeping a book blog for like 13 years or something. And wow. it, but it's just, I, I just find it's really interesting. You know, if you don't have someone in real life to talk about the book you just yeah. read, to kind of put it out there somewhere in the world and say, mm-hmm. Hey, has anybody else read this? Do you have opinions? Do you have yeah. thoughts? You know? And we were talking about this a little bit before we came here. Like, I was saying that Andrew, I feel, has been really instrumental in me getting really into reading again and kind of trying to be more aware of what's out there. Like, because, I mean, for the past few years, I would honestly read maybe, like, a book or two a year after I finished school. Uh I had, had, like, really intense burnout with, like, reading. Did you do an English degree? I did do an English degree. Yeah, and it's, it's really unfortunate because, I mean, like, I grew up like re- I loved reading and and I feel like I had pretty diverse tastes and things like that too so kind of having a friend who's so invested and like really like prioritize because you really do I think mm-hmm. this is an Andrew <laughs> compliment 
portion, but, um, yeah, like having someone in your life that really prioritizes something like that, I feel like is really, it kind of lights a fire under you to kind of like pick up books again and prioritize that. Cause I think yeah. it's so important, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to read. So yeah. I love the, the newsletter. And chatting to you about books. <laughs> and yay for having people to chat to about books, which is yeah. the whole reason I started doing this podcast. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, I have like a listenership of about 30 people, probably. But <laughs> it's really great just to have conversations about books. And I always get book recommendations that, you know, yeah. I had never heard of. And yeah. then like two podcasts in a row, people are recommending Sally Rooney. And I'm like, oh, I got to check that out. Yeah, so, yeah. well, yeah, guess sure. that shows. And yeah. The Mars Room. Yeah, and The Mars, the Mars Room. Yes. Really good book. I love that. Well, thanks very much. I've really enjoyed this. This has been great. Thank you yeah. for coming and talking about this. Thanks for Thank having you. us. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrew Sampson and Nicole Boggan. We had a great time talking about books. And if they went by too quickly for you to know what all the books were, as always, check out the show notes. Just go to my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, click on the Shelf Esteem link, and it'll take you to a post that lists all the books that we talked about in this episode. I'll be back in a couple more weeks with some more great guests. Until then, read a good book and build your shelf esteem.